Reel on Reels, Episode 9. High Noon Shootout Deathmatch, Part 1. Rio Bravo. Yeehaw! <laughs> Welcome, everybody. You need to prepare me for these things, Rob. <laughs> to reel on reels. And, uh, what was that? And this is our first episode of our epic shootout between three films. The first is Rio Bravo. The second is Fistful of Dollars. And the third... The Wild Bunch. Right. And that's in chronological order. What we're going to be doing is we're going to be discussing three different movies that have progressed the Western. Yeah, we're looking at three stages in the Western de- West- development of the Western genre. Western development. Western, um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so we have the classic kind of John Wayne movie that we're going to be talking about today, Rio Bravo. Um, The movie that I think of when I think of a classic Western. Yeah. And then we have A Fistful of Dollars, which is the first of a, of an epic spaghetti Western series trilogy by uh, Sergio Leone. Um, It gets much more violent at that point. Yeah. And then we get to five years later. This is a 10-year gap between these films. just happened to work out. Um, we get to the, the Wild Bunch, which is an American Western that has taken some influence from the spaghetti, that spaghetti Western. So we kind of get a look at the development of an, of an American Western. Yeah, it's a little bit of a late period development. But I think in some ways this is, that's a good time period to pick because sure. it's it kind of links the classics with the, the much more new style or much, much more modern style of, of Western, which would culminate in probably something like the hateful eight. Right. Um, so yeah, this is going to be a four part series where we talk about, we're going to do like short kind of 30 minute episodes um, where we talk about the films. So we're going to talk about Rio Bravo. We're going to talk about a fistful of dollars and we're going to talk about the wild bunch. Um, all separately. We're not going to really have any segments in these episodes because we just kind of want to keep them short. So then that's when we have the epic showdown. The countdown to high noon. The high noon deathmatch shootout. Right. We're at. And you know, because you've listened to this entire show and you know all our little quirks and memes, that when we talk about a deathmatch, we mean a debate. So it's going to be. We're going to try and decide which of these comes out on top, these three films. Right. And put them in a standoff. Yep. They're going to stare each other down. They're all contenders. Yeah. And uh, despite our past death matches, we're not going to take a side because there's three films. We're just going to kind of argue. I'm sure with three films, there's a greater likelihood that we will <laughs> likelihood. I've got to kind of say that word. Um, <laughs> we, ha- um, we have a, there's a greater likelihood that we will disagree. So, right. Hopefully we will, but if not, I will purposefully disagree with you. Because he's spiteful like that for the drama. 
for the drama. All right. <laughs> so, um, by the way, I'm Jeremiah, and I'm Rob, and uh, Jeremiah a- has in- indulged my <laughs> obsession with Red Dead Redemption Two. Yeah, a little um, bit. It, which was released uh, yesterday, officially, in the world. And uh, the first one is my favorite game ever, and this one has somehow blown it away, blown it out of the water. And I am really excited to um, talk about it, or talk about westerns. Oh yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's an old. I was like, wait a minute, is this going to be an episode on Red Dead Redemption? I wish. I, did not prepare I wish. For that. I wish. I I have no notes about <laughs> Red Dead Redemption. I've never played the game. Right. So you're freaking me out a little bit here, but uh, we're good now because you were just bringing it up. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Westerns have been a genre that both of you and I, uh, both you and I have really enjoyed. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I've been a fan pretty much forever because my dad raised me watching John Wayne basically. And I wasn't really a fan because my dad wasn't a big Western guy. Uh, he was more of like a mob movie guy. Okay. Um, I kind of got into Westerns later, kind of in high school when I was kind of introduced to spaghetti Westerns. Um, cause I'd mm. always, you know, thought about Westerns as John Wayne movies and I was like, oh, that's kind of lame. Um, I wasn't really into it at that point. So you took the hipster route into Westerns. No, I just, <laughs> I don't know. They're too idyllic. Oh yeah. Yeah. I understand. Um, in my opinion. And it's, it's quite a, it's a story genre though that has, um, that runs a gamut of emotions and. It's just, it's one of the, it's like a, Westerns, I mean, it's like a whole theme. It's like, it's like, you know, medieval fantasy or, you know, or like you said, gangster is another good example of like a, of a, of a theme that has so much that you can draw from Mm. because of, of the, the, it's just, it's a very, it represents a specific and an unusual period of time and circumstances that gave rise to just the, this distinctive, you know, historical moment. And, um, yeah, it's just one of the, one, it's one of the rings with those. There's probably some other examples I could come up with, but yeah. Yeah. So, uh, do you want to talk about a little bit about Rio Bravo? No. Oh, okay. Um, I want you to do all the talking. No, you do it. I'm tired. I don't want to do it. All right. (laughs) Don't, uh, enough of that childishness. Let's, uh, let's get down to brass tacks here, Rob and talk about Rio Bravo. So this is a, a Howard Hawks film. Yes. The great director, Howard Hawks, um, who, and he actually, th- it was a movie that the studio didn't want to do initially, mm. but then he said, hey, I'm going to get John Wayne back into the Western genre with this movie. And so when he said that, they were like, oh, okay, duh. No brainer. This was released in 1959. Right. And and John Wayne had done like five not very successful non-Westerns. Yeah. So he was like, oh, screw that. I'm going <laughs> get, to get back into Westerns. Yeah. He made those five movies in like three years, but <laughs> yeah, um, that's how it was back then. Yep. Huge star, John Wayne. Yeah, he was oh, already. Who do you think is a bigger star, Clint Eastwood or John Wayne? Today? Like a bigger Western star. Oh, man. Why'd you have to throw a hard one at me like that out right. of nowhere? Um, I, I have to go with John Wayne. We should probably save this for the death match showdown. It's <laughs> a good question for that. So I'll yeah, shut up. That's anyway, just my initial reaction. <laughs> anyway, please continue. Yeah. So it, this is sort of the dawn of, you know, the late 
period John Wayne westerns, which actually are more well known. Like if you look at IMDb, John Wayne's, and we can't use this for the for almost the almost famous game now because I'm giving away all the answers. Right. But <laughs> all of the movies that John Wayne is known for, quote unquote, on IMDb are from the '60s, oh, okay. and it's like stuff like uh, Searchers. Oh no, The Searchers was earlier. Oh, was it? That was the last western that he made before Rio Bravo. Oh, yeah, actually, that's right. beautiful yeah, yeah. movie directed mm-hmm. by John Ford. Um, but yeah, so the uh, but all those movies that he's known for from the '60s, it's like The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance, mm. um, which spoiler alert, one of my favorite movies ever, just a brilliant movie. Um, but uh, I don't have this in front of me. Ah, oh, there we go. Yeah, True Grit is another one. Oh yeah, that's a great one. The Alamo. I've seen that one and McClintock, which is a seen straight up one. comedy. It's oh, good. Oh, really? Hmm. It's Western comedies. It's not great. It's good. <laughs> we, which we do need to do Blazing Saddles at some point. Um, oh, absolutely. But yeah. Western comedies with John Wayne. I don't know. Yeah, it's pretty much what you'd expect. I like John Wayne. <laughs> like I, I, I initially never liked him, but because of my indoctrination into the genre because of spaghetti westerns i've grown to appreciate his films right but a, a comedy with him uh, yeah it's a bit of a uh, yeah he has a habit of repeating his formula mm. um he has has a, several of them but he t- had a tendency to repeat them and that was that movie was um kind of a uh a change of pace yeah but it was similar in a lot of ways to the quiet man and it even even stars Maureen O'Hara, oh, okay. who was in that. Hmm. So, and there's a scene that's like almost identical, and it's kind of, yeah. So, <laughs> gotcha. But, so, what is Rio Bravo about, Jeremiah? Oh, and yeah, this has yeah. got uh, we're Ricky. Get, we're getting on all sorts of tangents. Sorry, people. <laughs> yeah, this has got um, some other pretty big stars. Uh, two music stars, Dean Martin. Yeah, who um, is very good in this movie. He's a, yeah. an amazing actor, uh, and Ricky Nelson. Right, he was the one of the. He was a Justin Bieber of his day. Right, good-looking young guy. He was actually seventeen when he was. Stole casting that this. joke from me. I said that during the uh, movie. I'm calling you. Why are you, you, you gonna out me like I'm that? I'm calling you Probably. out, bro. Wow. I'm getting real. I'm this real. Oh, fair enough. That is the name of the show. Okay. Anyway. So, yeah, and who else was it? Um, Angie Dickinson. Yep, Walter Brennan as old Stumpy, the cantankerous <laughs> old curmudgeon, yeah. absolutely hilarious throughout. Yeah. He says he's the kind of guy that says stuff like tabacky. <laughs> and they uh insured Angie insured Angie Dickinson's legs for this movie. Yeah, the company that made those tights was was who insured oh, really? it as like okay. a publicity stunt. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's funny. Um and a sign of the times, I guess. Yeah, there's a scene where she's there's a memorable scene where she's wearing these tights at the end. Right. And uh so anyway, the movie is a reaction actually. It was uh um Howard Hawks and John Wayne did not like the movie High Noon from 1952 starring mm-hmm. Gary Cooper because in that movie, you know, Gary Cooper, the marshal or sheriff or whatever he is, um asks for help from the townspeople basically. Cause he's like, Ooh, I don't want to face this, uh, this enemy alone and his gang and all that. And I won't go into the plot, but the point is, you know, he, they, they wanted to make a movie where the, sh- the marshal was, or the sheriff was somebody who would just to face what he had to face hmm. and basically face the music, do, do his job. And 
not try to kind of hide behind others. And, um, and so he explicitly turns down help early in the movie. Um, and the whole plot is that, uh, of high noon is that there's this guy or excuse me, the whole plot of Rio Bravo, which is kind of an inversion of high noon is there's this, uh, there's this powerful, this rich, powerful rancher who has a lot of hired guns. He's got the money to hire anybody, you know, the best guns, whatever. And uh, his brother kills somebody early in the movie. Okay. And so uh, John Wayne's character, the sheriff, Chance, John T. Chance is his name. He uh, throws him in jail, obviously. Yeah. And so the whole movie from that point is this chess game between Chance and uh, Burdette, is the guy's name the, mm-hmm. the family the Burdett family it's uh it's his brother that's the rancher right the guy the, the guy that's in jail and so the whole thing is is him trying to get him out of jail yeah and he kills what really kind of sets the plot in motion is that he kills uh chance's friend who's in town to, to bring uh, to bring through some carriages full of dynamite and oil and stuff like that which mm. becomes important later in the movie it's kind of a nice little tie-in from the to way to tie the introduction to the conclusion. Right. And, uh, so, but, uh, that, uh, the, the one, of, it's one of Burdett's men who kills, uh, Chance's friend. Right. And, uh, what was the, what was the name of that character? Chance's friend. Yeah. Oh, I'm not sure. Let's, uh, let's consult the old IMDB. Pat Wheeler, Pat Wh- played by Ward Bond, who's a, a guy that's a, appeared with John Wayne in, I think, 22 different movies. Oh, wow. Yeah, and uh, not not a very well-known guy, really, but just a guy who's kind of always in the background there in John Wayne's career. Gotcha. There are several guys like that. But uh, so when that happens, it's kind of like, okay, this is this is going to be a bumpy ride. We've got to hold off these guys. He's gonna He's obviously going to kill... He's going to do whatever he has to do to get his brother out of jail. Right. And and it's really only those three guys um, that are protecting this whole town. Right. It's John Wayne. It's Stumpy. Oh, no, I'm sorry. Four guys. John right. Wayne, Stumpy, um, Ricky Nelson. Um, <laughs> Ricky Nelson, Colorado. is. Co- what, oh, yeah, Colorado. What John Wayne calls Colorado. Him. Col- Colorado. Because his <laughs> and, dad was from Denver. So Right. And Dude. Which, Dude. Of course, we have to bring up the Big Lebowski. Right. <laughs> um, which has also another great Western star in it. Sam, uh, what's that guy's name? Sam, oh gosh, this is embarrassing. Um, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott, yes. I, I was going to say Sam Ellis. Oh. I couldn't, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, and there's a part, uh, what was that part we were talking about where... There's another other connection to the Big Lebowski. Yeah, there was another connection to the Big Lebowski. Oh no, we're forgetting it now. Oh yeah. Well, anyway, maybe we'll remember <laughs> by the end of the episode. Maybe not. Right. Um, we'll leave you disappointed if we don't. I promise. <laughs> and uh, but yeah, it's the, only those three guys that are protecting this town. Or I said three again. Four, four guys. Right. It's only those four guys protecting the town. So it's and the and this guy, the brother, has an entire gang of people that are willing to shoot police officers. Right. Oh, I remembered what it was. It was, <laughs> Oh, there we go. It was the, the Chinese undertaker. Oh yeah. Stumpy John ref- Wayne called him a Chinaman. <laughs> um, it's not the preferred nomenclature. It's not the preferred nomenclature. According to Walter. By any means. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, this movie's oh, got man. a lot of kind of. It's a sign of the times again. It's um, yeah, it, it, it's got he, a lot of racial, racially, racial stereotypes. They um, they intentionally, um, which is one one of the reasons this is a good way to start this con- this whole epic conversation about westerns is that it it does intentionally sort of pay tribute to the some of the stereotypes the 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 uh, Mexican hotel owner and yeah the Chinese undertaker and um all this all this kind of stuff it's a lot of the characters are like the young gun even that's sort of a right um an archetype right right and the old you know uh washed up washed up deputy deputy played beautifully by dean martin oh he's just a great performance yeah and there's a a a grittiness and a realness and a relatableness yeah (laughs) to his character I'd, um, I'd like to see the other members of the whack, uh, the whack pack. Sorry, people, I'm a Howard Stern fan. The <laughs> Rat Pack. I'd love to see how. I've never really. I don't think I've seen any movies with the other Rat Pack members acting. I'd like to see who's the better. I was act, thinking about that too. Actor yeah, yeah. The Rat Pack. Yeah, but people like yeah, Dean Martin's definitely got to step step up immediately. Yeah, I can't I'd, imagine the other people are as good of an actor. I can't think of anything. Yeah, there's um. Like Frank Sinatra, Sammy Davis Jr. Sammy those Davis guys, Jr. was in some movies, I think. Yeah, those guys were in some movies. I'm, yeah. Actually, I'm not sure about Frank Sinatra, but... Probably was. But, um, yeah, I can't... I don't think there's anybody... I mean, this is a movie, a role, you know, that I've known about for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's nothing that I can think of that would, would compare to that as far as one of these... Just some, like, crooner, you know, being, right. doing giving a great performance in a movie. And right. it really is key to the movie. Yeah. It adds a lot of the dramatic dramatic weight. Yeah. And, you know, I think my biggest gripe with this movie, though, is there's just too... There's too many plots. This movie is two and a half hours long. And I think it's too long. It's an epic, yeah. It's an epic, but it's an epic that exists in one tiny rinky-dink town. Yeah. Um, with a few characters that are not really all that interesting. You know, the character of um, Angie Dickinson plays, what's her name? The card player? They call her Feathers. I don't think they ever give her an actual name. (laughs) Yeah, she's, you know, her story, John Wayne is like, it's like John Wayne's love interest throughout Mm -hmm. that movie. They have this sexual tension, um, you know, and... It's one of the major plot threads is their, their, the way way their relationship develops. Right, and she's like a a former cohort of somebody that's wanted... And John Wayne has a poster fitting her description when he first meets her. And I don't know. I just don't think her, her story was all was interesting enough to drag on as long as it did. Hmm. That could be. I, I just, yeah, that's just one of my, that's my biggest gripe with it. I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think... I, I'm putting a lot more thought into that. I'm glad, really glad we watched it again and that we that we just watched it. We just got done watching it. Right. <laughs> this is a movie I've seen a couple times before and each time I've come away with a different impression. Mm. Um, and like last time I watched it, I didn't really like the, the climactic gunfight. This oh, okay. time I actually thought it was awesome. Yeah, it's a great gunfight. Yeah, very, very... Um, it's, it's funny and intense. That's something that is... Um, well, to address your point, there's a lot more you talk about, but to address that point that you just made... Um, I do think it has, it's, it's got an intricate plot. Oh, I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen, that is my phone. I'm going to silence that. Quite Siri. Um, <laughs> it does have, it's a very, 
because see the thing is it's a it's a character driven film it's got a lot of close-ups of the characters right yeah very dialogue heavy yeah it's also about dean yeah it's about dean martin that's the other subplot is dean martin's recovery the dude's recovery from alcohol uh alcoholism yeah, he does such a great job of playing somebody who's going through delirium tremors and all the right, right. the detoxing, um, you know, withdrawal symptoms. Yeah, he's and like things. a former gunslinger that's trying yeah. to reclaim his glory. It's kind of a leisurely paced movie that takes place over the course of like three or four days. And that's my that's I yeah. hate leisurely pl- oh, leisurely yeah? paced movies. That's okay. probably my modern sensibilities like mm. at play here because I think leisurely paced movies were kind of a norm back then. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. So, I I think that if they if they're not interesting enough storylines to hold my attention, then they start to drag on with me. Hmm. But I I do appreciate this film. I do like it a lot. But I don't know. I I, I do have kind of an issue with that aspect of it. Right. Yeah. Um, just to play devil's advocate, I think. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> I do think that that works because I think they do such a good job of there's several threats. See, the thing is it is kind of a long movie and it's kind of a slow paced movie. And those are two things that you have to justify, I mm. think as a filmmaker and um, as a screenwriter, whatever. And I think they do a pretty good job of justifying it because of the, the, the authenticity and chemistry between these characters. And because we can get more detail on that too, but as far as, um, and I think that it actually is a, a it has enough tension that that builds throughout sure. the film mm. that you do it does get to a point where it's like okay you know you you feel like there's there's a definitely a drive to it a narrative drive yeah that's a good point yeah um, and and it it does that even with the the romantic subplot that's more that's more comedic. See, I don't really mind the romantic subplot. Subplot. I just don't mind when it's uninteresting. You thought that was uninteresting, hmm? I just thought that her whole story and their whole relationship was un- uninteresting. I think that it's an int- it's kind of interesting because it's um like an emotional chess match kind of that kind of mirrors the more dramatic like chess match that's happening between um, Chance and Burdette. Sure. Um, and I don't know. It, I, I I really like Angie Dickinson's character too. I just think it's she's entertaining to watch the way that I she. I think it's well performed, mm-hmm. but I don't think that it's necessarily well written. Hmm. Not in her dialogue or anything, just her character. I think it could have been done better. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's a little bit of um. It is. It does kind of feel shoehorned in when you think about it. I mean, and besides, it's kind of ridiculous. John Wayne's a almost a sixty-year-old man well, at this point. Yeah, John Wayne himself knew. He, well, he he was fifty-one, I think. Fifty-six, I think. Mm, maybe. Well, maybe he was fifty-one. <laughs> it could have been. Yeah, he himself. He he thought he was getting too old to do this kind of role too. Yeah. Um, but I think it works. I mean. You can't really have. I don't know. I think it might have been better if Angie Dickinson was. Uh, yeah, the, if her character was played by a slightly older actress, maybe. maybe. But I just I can't see anybody other than John Wayne being the sheriff in this movie. I don't think it really would have worked. I don't think he would. Anybody else would have been able to pull off all the different notes that he has to hit as an actor. 
um, mm-hmm. in terms of like the way that he deals with, he has a different way of dealing with each character. Sure. One of the things that's so um, interesting about this movie that, that makes it so rewatchable is the way that, like I said, kind of like I said before, the chemistry between the characters, like how you you are always there are always these little nods to the history between Chance, Dude, and Stumpy, mm. and how you know Chance blows up at Stumpy for irritating him, and how right. you know uh, Chance is always being he's he's in a way like almost motherly to Dude, like he he the affection is so palpable, right even though he's such an outwardly hard man tough love yeah and um it's i don't know i just i think that's i think that was that's a hard thing to pull off that kind of depth of yeah of um just relationships in a movie yeah that's a that's a fair point i i think this is a very well written character yeah and his affection Stubby. towards Stumpy, who is like the most cantankerous, abrasive person of all time. <laughs> right. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's definitely, he's definitely the comedic relief of the movie and um, a good one at that. Very good. Yeah. It's it's a pretty funny. It's it kind of it's got um, one of the things that makes it an epic is that it is the range of emotion. Right. Because it does have some really funny moments and it does. It's also very dramatic. There's violence. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing extreme. Yeah, no blood. Part. I don't think. But, oh no, there's a lo- John Wayne does come in and he's got a little bit of blood yeah. on his face. Um, that's typically about how bloody these movies these movies get. Right. Or, was the Searchers bloody? I can't remember. It's been I don't so long think since there that. was really any blood in that. Okay. Anyway, um, yeah. So those that's kind of an interesting, you know, beginning of kind of the that's an interesting feature of those early westerns. With John Wayne, those classic John Wayne westerns, they're violent, but they're not bloody, right? Like a yeah. lot of movies were back then. You and know? there's even at the end, he's blowing up dynamite. He's using the dynamite that right. was brought in by his friend on his his uh, carriages to to blow up this house that Burdette and his men are in. Yeah. And this, it's a very much like a, it's kind of a David and Goliath plot too, because it's like these four guys, uh, you know, a drunk a cripple group. Yeah, some young gun, like they, and, and they, but they keep managing to. And like I said earlier, there's, it's a chess match throughout. They keep managing to just be slightly ahead of Burdette. Right. They're always setting up these little traps. Like when they, um, and the audience doesn't even know these traps are being set up until they actually happen. Like when he uh, sends, when Chance sends the uh, Burdette and his men, or uh, excuse me, dude sends Burdette and his men to the jail and Chance is acting like he doesn't want him to, to, to want that to happen. Right. He's like, no, we can't, we can't let him in the jail. And, <laughs> and uh, dude's like, oh, it's, this is, this is smart. Just let him have Joe. Don't, don't let this get any worse. Cause he knows exactly what Stumpy's going to do. And right. I, it probably wasn't even planned out. It's just that he knows these people so well. Mm. And, um, but they're, you know, so he kind of sets traps just by, you know, knowing these people so well. Yeah, I agree. And that's an interesting dynamic. Sure. So yeah, he's he's blowing up that house with the dynamite. Um, who was in that house again? It was the brother, right? Well, yeah, the the brother, the rancher, yeah, the rich brother, right, of the murderer. Um, and and his uh, high, all his hired guns. The and, one that's invading the town. Right. He's been closing off the town. He's been surrounding it, and right. Um, even before I think his brother killed the guy, like they were already giving people problems coming in and 
Um, it's one of his guys that kills Chance's friend, which create which provides a lot of mo- his motivation. Sure. Which I mean, doing his job is a big part of it too, because right. he's just very much like it's the law, and he's not going to budge. But at the same time, he he's like, I'll be damned if they do this to my friend and get away with it. Yeah. Um, and you weren't a big fan of the ending. You had right. mentioned it afterwards. What were your thoughts on that? Um, I actually thought because it's fu- it's funny. It's like I've I've noticed different aspects of this film each time I've watched it, and I think the last time I I was drawn more in. I think actually part of it is that I watched it on a TV, just like a smaller a smaller TV. And this time I watched it on my big TV that I have mm. now because <laughs> I haven't had a big TV really until recently. Gotcha. But um. Um, I, so I was struck more by the, the drama and the performances this time and how the tension leads up to this, this literally explosive climax. Whereas I think last time I was paying more attention to, um, like the comedy of it and just like the neat screenplay and things. Right. And I guess I just felt like, um, last time I watched it, I didn't really, I I thought the, the whole shootout thing was, um, a change of pace that I didn't really like because I liked I liked the just the dialogue in the movie and the way that the whole chess match plays out and just the funny moments and everything. Right. Um, so you didn't want violence in a western? <laughs> oh my god. I, well, I think the movie does so many other things well. It almost doesn't need it, but but yeah, it <clears throat> Excuse me. What do you I mean, what do you so expect the, them to do? Shoot squirt guns at each other? <laughs> so, but this uh if you if you uh if you keep ribbing me, I'm not going to ever get to my point <laughs> and be able to answer your actual questions. Um, so we were talking about the ending. So, but yeah, I was struck by the lightness of the ending this time. Right. It was, yeah, it's, it, it just, it feels a little bit neat and Hollywoody and yeah. like, oh, everybody's happy. And, right. uh, cause it, and it's, it feels like a little bit of a cop out because it gets so dramatic, mm. you know, and there, oh, and by the way, and it's so drawn out. I forgot to, okay. Uh, <laughs> I forgot to mention about how. Another interesting thing about the music in this movie, um, of course, Dean Martin and Ricky Nelson take the opportunity to stretch the movie out a little bit with uh, an entire song, <laughs> two songs, two two songs, because <laughs> Stumpy wants him to play an easier song that he can sing. Oh my god! <laughs> and it's a delight to watch these songs, but yeah, I can understand a how, delight. Yeah. Oh no! But if you can, <laughs> if you don't, if 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 you just didn't feel like that was necessary, I completely understand. That but, that's the thing I have with old movies, sometimes. They take the opportunity to sing an entire song when I don't care. <laughs> and Ed, it's like Ed Sheeran on Game of Thrones. It sings an entire, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. An entire song. I don't know. <laughs> but it, I don't want to see it. Fair enough. That's a, that's a fair point. Um, but anyway, the, it, there's this trumpet theme that's played throughout the film because... Um, Burdette, the rich rancher, mm. he pays the 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 band at the hotel or the bar or whatever right. to play this this theme, this very ominous, dark tune. Ennio Morricone esque. Yeah, and what's interesting about it is that um, I gotta get the oh, you are looking through IMDb. Dead air Jeremiah is what I call him. That's what I call them, folks. And, um, yep, you just click there and, uh, <laughs> nope, that's a virus. 
All right. Okay, sorry. Um, <laughs> poor note taking. Sorry, yeah, uh, ladies and gentlemen. So D- Dimitri T- uh, Tiomkin, he's the one who writes that um, that trumpet tune, which we find out from Colorado, is actually called uh, the, the Cutthroat Song. It's like a Mexican tune, and it's um, it it really adds to the dramatic weight, and it actually the the ominousness of it helps to focus dude right so that he he is able to get over the the shakes because he's his hands shake really badly Mm. throughout the film and that that and that that whole plot is interesting too about him actually getting better i like that plot right that character arc yeah and there's that great moment one of my favorite scenes i think probably still my favorite scene is near the beginning when he shoots one of burdett's men and he runs into the saloon to hide and they go in to get him, and there's this whole scene that plays out where he's checking their shoes to see which one has muddy shoes because he saw him run through some mud, and and you know chances in the back with his shotgun, and they've got the guys kind of cornered on one side of the the bar, and mm. and, um, and at one point, this is a, a line that uh, Quentin Tarantino borrowed for Pulp Fiction, but chance uh to, a guy goes for his gun and chance tells him why don't you go for it i would i, I want you to or uh, something like i wish you would That's i wish you would yeah. i wish you would and then of course uh in pulp fiction um bruce willis says uh, he tells zed the same thing and right that, in that dungeon he tells he says i want you to, i want you to do it I yeah, want reach you to for get, the gun yeah I, want, I wish you would yeah um just it's such a badass line yeah um i just yeah i love that scene so, um, should we, uh, talk about some final kind of like reactions to the film? Yeah. Um, I would say, I, th- I think overall, as you could probably tell, I, I love this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's one of those that it's a genre defining movie for me and one that I remember fondly, one that I like going back to. Right. Um, but it is interesting to rewatch it and to think about some of these downsides because it's definitely not a perfect film. I think I had it built up more in my head. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It, it has, you know, your childhood on its side. That's true. <laughs> right. I mean, we always f- remember things from then more fondly than perhaps we yeah. would. But it's still fun to dissect it and to, oh, sure. to look at it with, with fresh eyes because it's been years since I've watched it. Yeah. Um, it, it actually has 100% from critics on Rotten Tomatoes. Really? Yeah. Oh wow. How many based on how many reviews? Um Oh, it's 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 got 40. It's pretty good. Yeah. 91% audience score? Yep. All right. Let's uh look at some of those then. Um I have some critics scores here. Josh Larson um yeah, let's not do his Let's do Richard Brody of The New Yorker. The movie is simultaneously an apogee of the classic Western style, with its principled violence in defense of just law and an eccentrically hyperbolic work of modernism, which yokes both bumptious erotic comedy and soul-searing rawness to the mission. Well, what a pompously written review. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't know what half of those words meant. Bumptious. <laughs> Let me make sure I read that word right. Uh, yeah, bumptious. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, Roger Ebert says, To watch Rio Bravo is to see a master craftsman at work. The film is seamless. There is not a shot that is wrong. It is uncommonly absorbing, and the 141-minute running time flows past like running water. Yeah, that's... That was me hitting the mic stand. <laughs> that's a much more well-written review. Well, yeah, it's... Um, equally... A Pulitzer Prize-winning... Yeah, equally gushy, but... Right. Um, yeah, but I don't agree with his last point, that it feels like running water. It feels think... like running water if it's, like, thick like tar. <laughs> More of a, a gently babbling brook than a waterfall. I don't know if it's fast enough to be called the babble. <laughs> All right. I'm not sure what speed a babble is exactly. but So what would you give it to? Uh, oh, no. Let's uh, do some audience reviews, too. I've got a good one queued up right here, Rob. Yeah. Um, 100%? Really? This was 30 minutes too long with two hours of literal waiting for 10 minutes. <laughs> Finally, uh, some pretty mild showdown, showdown action until there's every cowboy or until then there's every cowboy cliche and wainerism. Hey now, <laughs> plus some totally Hollywood movie singing that with, <laughs> with Dino, which I guess is Dean Martin <laughs> and Ricky and oh, Dino. Ta- oh, Dino and Ricky in Cowtown. Also, Hawks forgot that a town needs townspeople. Guess he ran out of budget for extras and stand-ins. It's very hard, hard to understand these ratings, except as a cinematic museum piece for Marion Morrison, a.k.a. John Wayne. So, of course, he has to throw in his <laughs> birth name just to give him a little jab. <laughs> right. Your real name's Marion. <laughs> yeah. Wow, this guy did not like it. And then Adam R., I think it might be a returning uh, reviewer here. He, oh, really? He says one and a half. <laughs> it's a, there's a, there's a, he's got a call sign. <laughs> uh, gives it one and a half stars. Extremely overrated. I can't believe the hype over what is truly a dull and lifeless movie. I did like the music, though. Parentheses. First and only viewing. May 2nd of 2014. That's your problem. You only watched it once. Well, <laughs> maybe the, the all... I don't know. but it, it is a bit of a Hollywoody movie, but it's a well-done Hollywoody movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think it's lifeless. I think it's parts of it are dull i don't think it's in that but i don't think that hurts it as much as giving it one and a half stars right yeah i still think it's a, a great rid- film it's ridiculously low rating yeah so what is your rating rob um i would give rio bravo an honest Seven and a half. An honest seven and a half. Yep. Oh, well, I'm glad you're being honest. It's first. Um, Ouch. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna give Rio Bravo a mm, nine point three. Interesting. I don't want to give it that nine point five or higher because I think that's. I don't think it's quite on that echelon. You know, I, I mostly think in fives. So let me reconsider my score because I did. I did want to kind of amend it a little bit. Mm, give it a little more nuance. Yes. All right. I'm gonna go with a seven point eight. All right. Bumped it up a little bit. Maybe yeah. I had a little bit of an effect. Yeah, I just 
I feel like it's seven and a half is too low. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might've, I might've considered giving it a higher rating, but you, uh, you kept me tethered a little bit there, Rob. Ooh. Just a little Ooh. bit. <laughs> I kept you hogtied with a lasso. It's going a weird place. Okay. Cause it's the West. So, um, it is okay. currently, Fair enough. well, it's not currently my, my mind was the dirty it one. It was there. what? Nine o'clock. <laughs> We're counting down to high noon. Real Bravo's nine. Uh, good or sorry, fistful of dollars is ten. The the wild bunch. The wild That's bunch. The second time I've had to remind you of that. I, title. I know. Geez, <laughs> um, that one is eleven, and then we have the showdown at high noon. So it is currently nine thirty. You just came up with that whole countdown to noon thing, and I like it. And we will uh, <laughs> be doing part two. Fistful of dollars. We'll also probably talk a little bit more about some of the other. Maybe not. We're trying to keep these short, but I, I really want to. I, this. I'll this, talk about. This should have been a. This should have been a showdown between the Sergio Leone trilogy, but I think this also works out. It's an interesting. I like this better. dynamic. Yeah, because that's all um, just one guy. I like right. that we're giving people a little more diversity. Yeah. Um. So, this has been real on reels. Look forward to us next week where we will discuss Sergio, Le- Sergio Leone's 1960, was it four? Yeah, 1964 film, A Fistful of Dollars. And uh, find us on Facebook and Twitter. Email us at realunrealsofficial at gmail.com. Jeremiah, do you have anything else you would like to add? I just want to uh, clarify because I don't think I finished my point earlier about the music that Tiamkin, the guy who wrote that trumpet theme, influenced Morricone a lot for the oh uh, yeah the music on the Dollars trilogy. Yeah, we kind of left that point hanging. Yeah, um, unless we didn't, and then we can fix this. Yeah, it's Morricone esque, but yeah, <laughs> um, well, we won't. We won't. <laughs> all right, everybody. Um, Thank you all for listening. Yeah, um, we appreciate every, each and every one of you all, and um, shoot us an email or, or a message on Facebook or whatever. Yeah, or like record yourself <laughs> on an mp3 and send, email it to us and we might put you on the show if you have like a question or you, um oh that's a good idea if you have like a favorite rob is full of ideas whatever. today just all this is on the fly i know i know a whole deathmatch idea that's what i do what would i be with but that you're one, indulging rob? me with this western thing <laughs> yeah that's true because red, red, red dead redemption 2 is out i think he's gonna get me be able to get me into this game and i'm so. on red dead red dead vacation from work <laughs> and uh after i leave here i'm gonna play it some more all right for like you know ever all right ladies and gentlemen questions comments uh let us know give us suggestions yep. feedback y- you have you have power yes at this do. stage at this stage of the game yep because there's not that many of you frankly that's true so, so <laughs> um to the three of you that are listening have a good day have a good night We'll see you at 10 o'clock. Bye.